This week on The Reverse Stick, we're thrilled to have Stuart Merigny join no, no, us. Stuart Merina. Stuart Merina. Oh, he's going to be with us. And greetings and welcome to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name is... No, it's John. It's John Lee. Ah, and you're Matt Allen. Yeah, and, and it's Matt Matt Allen. Okay, with yeah. an A. With an A, with <laughs> three A's actually, John. But <laughs> we'll put all that into a little bit of context for you later on. But it's a pleasure to be here with you, Matt. Talking hockey once again. Likewise, John. Look, we'll kick off this week. I know I've had a bit of fun the past couple of weeks um, with the numbers and the stats, and maybe want to get a bit more serious. There's been quite a lot of um, good information coming out of Sports Edition um, ahead of the Hockey World Cup in December. Yeah. Um, a few tra- uh, facts here for you on the uh, the World Cup trophy. Designed by Pakistani designer Bashir Mujid in 1971, made of gold and silver with intricate floral design and presents a hockey stick with a ball atop a globe. Uh, with its base, uh, weighs 11,560 grams. That's 895 grams of gold, 6,815 grams of silver, 350 grams of ivory, hmm, not too PC there, and 3,500 grams of teak. Um, do you know what's most interesting, John? Uh, is trying to get it back off the captain that no, wins it. It stands at 65 centimetres tall. And why do you think that's significant, John? Because it's our 65th podcast! It's 65 of the Rustic, <laughs> the global hockey podcast. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. A packed show. Yes, we have Shured well Marina coming up. Yeah. Uh, great interview there. Lots Lovely and lots color. to talk about. Um, we've got finals hockey to talk about from us personally. But of course, as always, we start with the... We start with the blank noise because I've left the faders down. Folks, I've got to tell you, that is a regular occurrence. I'm not going to edit it out this week. I just thought I'd give you a little behind-the-scenes view of what goes on here at the Reverse Stick. News. And where do we start with the news? Oh, we'll get some results out first of all, shall we? We had the... uh, No, the Hockey Darwin is... The Hockey Darwin? Hockey hockey Darwin. No, we'll get to that. The Sompo Cup. That's right. That's all, that's all done and dusted in Japan. Oh, I'm sorry, in Japan. Yeah, Australia, uh, Japan. Australia, Japan, USA, and Korea. That's right. Uh, the women playing there, a uh, little round robin competition, and they actually played some finals in this one. They had a final and a third versus fourth. Uh, Japan got over the top of the Aussies two one in uh, the first versus second, first and second place game, and third and fourth between the USA and Korea. The Koreans got the job done there. Same score, so two Japan, one. Japan carrying on the fine form from the Asian Games. What do you reckon Sompo Cup looks like? How much gold and silver would be in that? I doubt there'd be as much on there as with the uh, the World Cup. Yeah, certainly, I wouldn't expect any ivory on there. Can we still u- hand out a trophy with ivory on it? Is there a certain oh, time I, from I, when I, things were made yeah, that it's okay yeah, I, to I, do I, it? I think that would be the case. I mean, um, yeah, it, you're right. It's not. You wouldn't be doing it these days. No, you'd hope. But anyway. Uh, that's the Sompo Cup. But third, fourth place, Korea, 2-1 up over the US. Yeah, which um, I don't know if that's not such a bad result for the US because they were terrible at the World Cup. Well, there seems to be a bit of a change coming and necessary there in US hockey. We've obviously seen quite a few people step away from the program. Um, and, of course, everything's kicking off at the moment in the States with all the college hockey. There's lots and lots of stuff you can find online with what's going on there. Well, I have heard some people express concerns about 
the the US women's team with uh, the loss of some of these really really experienced players. I think Ashley did last week. Yeah. Um, but you know that's not bad. Korea are a pretty good side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. They they underperformed a little bit as well, didn't they, at the, mm. at the World Cup? But uh, and had a reasonable Asian game. Yeah, I should say they were terrible at times in the World Cup. They did have their moments. They had one really good game, I thought. But anyway, yeah, don't go upsetting another country, please. <laughs> you know. Oh, um, just on that, um, my father of Scots origin. I said, "What did you think about John's comments last night and um, last week in in the show about uh, about Scotland?" I said, "You know, he wasn't being personal about Scotland. He said, well, look, he's only jealous because he's not Scottish.'" <laughs> that was the response. No, no. Wait a second. Not great British. Oh dear. <laughs> Stoking the fires again. Uh, keep that tail wagging on the British bulldog. Um, Let's go to the Darwin Hockey Open that's being played. The International Hockey Open uh, for men. Australia, world-ranked number one Australia, world-ranked two Argentina, 12th-ranked Malaysia and 16th-ranked Japan are taking part there. That tournament's uh, halfway through. Some interesting scores. Um, Argentina and Japan, 2-1 on the opening day. And Australia put five past Malaysia to win 5-2. The next day, Japan and Malaysia fall out a really thrilling three-all draw. And the Argentinians got a win over the Australians 2-0. Yeah, a bit of a change Australian side. There's three debutants in there. Kieran Govers is back into the team. His brother Blake is not in the side at the moment, but he's banging in goals for fun in the local Perth League and his side have got through to the uh, the grand, grand final. final. Yeah. Uh, well, look, it, I mean, that's not going to be the team that goes to the World Cup, I wouldn't think. Not at, not at this point of the build-up, but there'd, there'd be guys in there fighting for their place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I no, imagine yeah, no, that's the same with the other teams. Yeah, three or four spots up for grabs in there. Um, interestingly, there was a game the day before the tournament started between Argentina and Australia. A warm-up game for um, a warm-up tournament. Yeah, warm-up tournament. And apparently the locals were locked out. Um, it was played behind closed gates. Um, I saw confirmation from one of the players on Twitter the other day. I think it was Jacob Wetton. Um, it said, yeah, confirmation, the gates were locked. So the locals couldn't get in to see that one. Well, that's no surprise, really. Cause well, not if they're looking for a paid event for people to go and watch the hockey the next day and over, you know, the rest of the I was, week. I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, coaches don't want the general public knowing what their tactics are. I mean, you wouldn't <laughs> want people to know what was going on <laughs> with the team or anything. Well, you know what they're like in Darwin. They can't keep their mouth shut, can they? Oh, it's only because they've got a stubby in their mouth at the moment. They can't clench down on the glass. That's a, uh, a bottle of beer for those of you not yeah, uh, aware of the Australian A vernacular. little bottle of beer, not a big one. The half size, 375 mils. Yeah. Yeah. Stubby. Okay, that's the Darwin. And there's a famous stubby from Darwin, though. Those well, the Darwin stubby, yeah. They're yeah, about yeah. four and a half litres, aren't they? Three, uh, three and a half, something like that. I've got, one at, I've got one at home and I've converted it to a little lamp, actually, John. What happened to the beer? <laughs> taken care of a long time ago. <laughs> okay, let's move on because we also have the hockey series open happening in Santiago. Gee, that'd be a great place, I, I would imagine, to go and watch hockey. Sounds very exotic, Santiago in Chile. Uh, men and women are both playing there. That tournament will continue for a couple more days yet. We're just through halfway through it. Um, some interesting results because there's some big scores going on there. Let's start with the women. Uh, 16th ranked Chile, 24th placed Uruguay, 37th placed Brazil, Peru at 39, Paraguay at 50, and the unranked Bolivia taking part in there. And Bolivia are unranked because teams like Uruguay, who are 24th in the world, win 17-0 against them. Uh, Chile won 19-0. Uh, Uruguay, uh, Uruguay beat Peru. 13 nil. 
so there's been some big scores there at the moment. Uh, Brazil and Peru played out a, a, a 2-0 victory there to uh, Brazil. They also got past Chile. Uh, sorry, they got past Bolivia 2-0, and Bolivia had been losing a lot, 17-0 to Uruguay. So it's all over the shop, the results. So you can't really drag any form line between any game. No, Peru and Bolivia are firmly at the bottom there. Um on, on the ladder as it is at the moment. Top scorer for Chile is Maria Maldonado. She's got nine so far. And Milagros Algorta of Uruguay on seven goals. Yeah, and Paraguay, they've done all right. They're ranked 50th, but they've managed to beat... No, Peru 58th, yeah. 50, Peru, yeah, 58th. They've managed to beat Peru, who are ranked 39th, and, uh, of course, got over the top of Bolivia. So they'll be happy with, I think, their results there. For the, the uh, men's side of things... Uh, Brazil ranked 26, Chile 34, Venezuela 43, Uruguay 46, Peru 58, and poor old Bolivia unranked. Um, yeah, uh, Brazil, as you'd expect, put uh, tidy 22 past Bolivia in the opening game, and Chile have put 27 past them. So they're the two teams you think that'll be uh, fighting out for winning that particular hockey series open. I'm not sure if two teams go through for the top or... Whether it's uh, no, we one don't. or no, we three. Don't. No, we'll, we'll find out in a couple of days' time. Won't yeah, we? they'll when announce it's, uh, it when we'll it's know. published. I uh, mean, uh, Chile would be stiff to miss, you'd think, if they finished second. Uh, have Brazil played Chile yet? I don't think they... Oh, where's Brazil and Chile? No, they haven't played each other yet. No, that's coming know. up two days' time. Yeah, and that'll probably decide who finishes top there. Top goal scorer, Lucas Pakshaw, 12 goals for Brazil. And then there's a heap of other players on six goals. And I, I did manage to watch some of that. It did look like a, a nice place to play hockey. Uh, playing fields around it and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I haven't caught any of that, but you can catch it on the FIH YouTube channel and also follow Hockey Series on Twitter as well for all the updates and news. Just a slight little whinge. We need commentary. Um, th- there was a voice of a uh, a person would come on every time a goal was scored and announce the goal, so and so from so and so, and in Spanish or I assume yeah, yeah. it's Spanish. Um, fair enough, but there was no commentary of the play, so all of a sudden this voice would come on and announce a goal score or and the score, and then disappear, and there'd be nothing else. The other thing they were doing is playing music whenever a penalty corner was given, so you get that techno music going on. That's techno for John. <laughs> you get that going on. They have the short corner, and then it ends. And there's nothing else. So you sit there and it's just silence. And then all of a sudden, dung, 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 dung. Oh, may, may I suggest opening up another YouTube channel and just playing some music separately, if that's what you're after from a hockey event? Well, I'm not, but... Oh, right, okay, sorry. It was just... But I, it's something the FIH has got to look at. We I'm not will, bagging anybody here, but we've got to get commentary. And we'll talk more about the challenges of I commentary. No I was more about the challenges of commentary on a limited budget towards the end of the show when we talk about our first foray into broadcasting... Hashtag live stream hockey. Fantastic graphics that were going up there too. We'll get to that. Cost later. a lot of money that did. Well, we, we saw. What did you get? You got about a big eight. Mac, a cheeseburger, yeah. <laughs> some fries. I think it was about fourteen dollars worth of McDonald's on the <laughs> other side of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> okay. Um, where else are we going? Uh, oh, there's oh, you got some more news. Oh, just just very quickly. There's a lot of tournaments going on in India at the moment. We've got various gold cups. There's the third hockey India five aside senior national championships. Uh, both men and women and I think there's a mixed tournament on there as well or certainly there was uh, there's one coming up uh, the 27th All India Baba Farid Gold Cup is on at the moment uh, coming up is the 38th All India KD Singh Babu Invitational Prize Money Hockey Tournament 2018-19 
Uh, so it seems to be uh, the season over there in India at the moment for a lot of these uh, sides. And of course, coming up very soon, we have Shurd Moraina, um, and uh, we post the the uh, the subject of club hockey there as well, don't we? We do indeed. Uh, it was great talking to Shurd as well. Uh, just before we move on, a few other things that will be coming up very shortly. Uh, we've got some test matches between Belgium and Germany in England. Is that something to do with the Sol? Yeah, it's a Sol, Sol um, 20 year anniversary from the uh, GB winning the gold there. Okay. Uh, there's also some indoor test matches between South Africa and Namibia. They're coming up shortly. Saltnajug Hall Cup is between the 6th and 13th of October. Youth Olympic Games from the 7th to the 14th, men and women there. Uh, Sultan of Johor, of course, is under 21 men's. Then we get to the Hero Asians Champion Trophy uh, in October. Uh, the Four Nations Men Tournament in Valencia is going on as well. And the Women's Champions Trophy is coming up in November with, of course, the year rounding out with the FIH Hockey Congress. No, it'll be rounding out with the Hockey Men's World Cup in Bebedezwa. So looking forward to all of that hockey coming up. Oh, one more thing about hockey coming up. Whatever happened to the um, Hockey Series Open in Lahore? Well, I believe it's still set to go ahead, John. If you have a look at the Hockey Series Open page uh, and go to the schedule, and at the bottom of the list we have Lahore, Pakistan for men, 26th to the 30th of September. That's five days away from now as we record. You click on the event page, and where does it take you? Straight back to the same page again. Well, so that's interesting. Teams were announced, um, but... There's nothing on uh, yeah on the FI8 site. You go to the TMS, and what do you find, John? Well, if you go to the TMS, you have to click on Upcoming, and it lists uh, at the top of that list is a test match between Afghanistan and Kazakhstan for men played in Lahore on September 30. There's nothing in there about the Hockey Series Open that has been purported to be happening there. Now, Kazakhstan, so, Kazakhstan are the side that have got the five or six uh, naturalised Pakistani guys playing for be. them. It was, I think Carl from Gibraltar said yeah. that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the point being is that is there a hockey series open in Lahore still going on or has it just been relegated to a one-off test match and they're just not going to get a chance to compete? Look, you would expect there would be, um, but who knows after the AH, AHF executive board meeting on the 10th of September, which we'll talk about coming up. I mean, maybe there were issues involved with it. Um, we haven't clicked on the news page. Have you clicked on the news page there for the FIH? There's nothing there saying we, we're canning it because no, things... No, no okay. nothing on there. Expect the tournament to go ahead. Just uh, We've just got to hold, yeah, hold your horses for who's playing, when they're playing. And what they're playing for what they're playing for and whether it will or will not be streamed on the FIH YouTube channel like every other Hockey Series Open event has been. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast, and it's time now for our feature interview. And it's with great pleasure Matt and I introduce to the program the current coach of the Indian Eves, Shord Maranya. Greetings, Shord. Good, uh, good, good morning, good afternoon. In Holland, it's good morning. Yeah, we've got a sunny afternoon here in Perth. It's beautiful. I hope you've got a sunny day where you are. I'm really lucky in Holland on this moment. I have a break from uh, from uh, India, so I'm with the family now and enjoying really good weather. Sure. At the moment, you are one of the most high-profile coaches in world hockey. But I, I don't think a lot of people know much about your hockey journey to get there. Can, 
how did it start for you? Where did you first pick up a stick? Yeah, I think uh, I was eight years old that I started playing hockey myself. Uh, but besides that, I was always focusing on tennis. That was my main sport. Um, but it's a really individual sport. So my parents, uh, it was really important for them that I, that I also did a, a team sport. And I'm still, till the day to, uh, from today, I'm really thankful uh, for that because it's for me... Uh, a, a sport where you meet friends, uh, where you do things together. And uh, after all, I like that more than tennis because you have to be really, really selfish um, to to find, yeah, to 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 get uh, to the top. And uh, I played myself uh, till I was 16, both sports, and then I focused more on hockey. I played uh, for the first team uh, from uh, Den Bosch, and we played highest league in uh, in uh, in Holland. And I played with big players like Mark Lammers, like Jeroen Delmey. Uh, Ronald Johnson, Peter Gerus, and yeah, those guys really helped me to understand the game better and better. And uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for that, of course. And after that, I start coaching. So just taking you back to you at eight years old, Shord, was there a family connection that got you into hockey? Uh, no, because my father put me on ice hockey, uh, but uh, the boys were so big. <laughs> I, uh, they, they crushed me, so he said, "Now maybe we try something else." And I could choose—I could choose uh, between soccer and uh, and hockey. But uh, I want to go to soccer. But I can—I uh, can't remember that he ever took me to a soccer training. Uh, there was a ho- hockey training, and, and that's—and uh, I stick to hockey. Now, Den Bosch is a big club in Holland. What what's, what do junior programs look like back in the 80s, 90s when you were playing junior hockey there? Yeah, it was it was not like uh, it's uh, the way it is now. Uh, we train twice a week, so sometimes only one times a week. Of course, there was a lot of grass, so I was just I, I started hockey when yeah, there was uh, more artificial grass. Um, but yeah, the big the big steps for me were when I came in the first teams. Then I was more interested in the hockey, and uh, you you always have to be lucky in your career that you play with players where you can learn a lot from. And yeah, for me it was. Uh, one of the big players was Ronald Johnson, the goalkeeper, and I think still one of the best ever in the world, because he was not only a good goalkeeper, but he was also he has a big knowledge about the game. So your your playing career brought you some good success at Den Bosch, uh, some league titles. Uh, yeah, we had uh, two titles, uh, uh, and never happened after that anymore. So really proud of that. So we had two titles of uh, a Dutch champion. And one time, one time, uh, champion against, uh, uh, how do you call it? U- uh, uh, European champion for club teams. And, uh, yeah, that was, we played against Polo, Spain, uh, against the famous Paul Amat. Uh, later I coached him with Spain, but, uh, on that moment, uh, I had to play against him and, uh, he was phenomenal. And, uh, but yeah, we won there, so that was a big victory and never happened again uh, with the club. Hey, Sean, how would you have just, how would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I was a right defender and I really like to attack. I like to get, play give and go and I was really irritated and frustrated <laughs> the, the moment I only uh, were, uh, was allowed to defend. <laughs> I, I will still remember that my coach put me on left defender and as left defender it was more difficult to, uh, to play the give and go hockey and he uh, asked me to stay more back. Uh, I was really irritated and you could see it my body language was really clear. Uh, so it was not difficult to coach me. And 
that was one also uh, my big problem with tennis. I was a player who didn't control his uh, mental side, and that's why I didn't make the top. Uh, and I know I knew I had to change that in hockey, and uh, that's where they helped me. Uh, but still, moments uh, you go back to your nature, and uh, <laughs> they, could, they they really could see I was not happy. Uh, do you ever come across a player in your coaching where you, you're telling them that they have to defend more, and there's this little little short standing on your shoulders <laughs> reminding you? Yeah, yeah. Of course. I think a lot. Uh, almost every coach coach the way he also plays, uh, what he likes, and my style is really give and go hockey. I like attacking hockey. It's it's good for the viewers uh, and it's also good for the motivation from the from the team. So the give and go is always one of my yeah yeah big things. Uh, what I really like to do and yeah, if you start talking about hockey and thinking about hockey, first thing what I'm doing is thinking in ball possession. Uh, my really good friend Raoul Eric, coach of the women's uh, Dutch of oh, the Den Bosch team, he's uh, the opposite side. He will always think first about uh, the non-ball possession part. So that's why I always search for coaches next to me who's thinking about non-ball possession. <laughs> yeah, you have to know uh, yourself. Eh? That's really important. So when was, when was your interest in coaching first sparked? When, when did you first get involved to coach? Yeah, I, I, I started coaching uh, youth when I was 15 years, 14, 15 years. I also did a school for sports education. And it always had my interest to help people. And that's why I'm still doing it. Um, I, I see my job as uh, reaching the, uh, the potential of, uh, of players, of teams. And it can be inside teams, but I also do presentations for companies that can uh, also be uh, for, for, for the business, for companies. But always go for the full potential. And, and uh, yeah, I was, what I said, oh, 15 years, uh, 15 years old. And that's where it starts. You started coaching as a 15-year-old. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, wow. I, I grew, I, I grew, and uh, I started uh, uh, the men's team when I was 26. I stopped myself as uh, as player because I really had bad knees. And from that moment, uh, I uh, I coached the second level uh, men's team. Uh, a few of my friends were in that, so that was really interesting. Interesting how a young guy uh, coaches his friends. But I was really clear from the first moment, and yeah, you have to be clear because otherwise, uh, yeah, the relationship uh, gets really difficult. Did you find that you you set a clear pathway for yourself? You you had an idea that international hockey was the way that you wanted to go with your coaching? Yeah, I, I never played myself international hockey, and there was always a big frustration uh, for me because I, I I know I was not good enough. I, I was good for the top in Holland but not good enough for the international level. And I always dreamed, dreamed of uh, uh, playing for the Olympics, of uh, coaching uh, Olympics, um, because I knew I never pl- will, will play the Olympics. So that was a big dream. And it's not that I really had a path for myself, like the way, how do I come there? But I really believe on uh, the best things will happen to you, but you have to work for it. Um, and from one thing, the other thing, uh, uh, came so I, I did uh, it, it's called MOP and then I went to another a club in the second division and that went really well we promoted to the highest division I had some Argentina players with Lucas Villa and uh, his brother and we did really well and on that moment Amsterdam the big club in Holland uh, they asked me uh, to coach them and uh, yeah that was of course a big honor and on that moment 
all things started to go faster. Uh, Maurits Hendricks asked me for Spain. I, I assist him uh, for one year and a half to the Olympics 2008, where we got uh, silver with the Olympics. So I learned a lot of that. Well, I mean, you've, you've had quite a coaching journey, Sean, you've, uh, including a, a stint in China. Um, and we're quite fascinated with, with what's going on in China at the moment. How did you find that experience? Uh, yeah, that, that was really interesting because <laughs> you can't pl- you can't play at a talk with uh, with the players. That's the first thing. Everything has to do, be done with the translator, and of course, you don't know what the translator says. Um, <laughs> but the good thing is, I always like to try to see the positive things about the cultures, and the positive thing is they are really uh, humble and they listen to what you are saying. So for me, they played exactly the way I want them to play. Uh, so that was a really nice thing. If you coach a team in Holland, they want to be involved in the process and they also want to have a voice about how to play. And that's, that, that's also good. Uh, but the ownership in Holland is bigger than in China. In China, the coach decides. decides. And yeah, I, I, I used that so they really played like the way I wanted. And uh, they, yeah, eventually they were successful and they won the, uh, the China games. Really important for them. And, uh, yeah, there was a was a nice thing to be in another culture. Do you do you see China being able to be a, a really competitive team in the future? Yeah, China men are really far away. I think the China women uh, now also made a step back, so that will be difficult uh, for them. I don't know what's going to happen there because the Chinese coach uh, uh, has gone, and uh, yeah, what, what will yeah what will happen now if they go on with a Chinese coach or a foreign coach? Those things are really important for them um, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I think with foreign coaches they really can help them to make next steps. Sean, you mentioned there about player-driven versus, you know, a style rather than the, the coach just dictating everything. And um, you, you, may, uh, you made some comments in that transition between your position in the men's and women's coach about giving players ownership of what's going on the field is. Is there a fine line between the players owning too much and, and the coach not having enough say? Yeah, it's, uh, it also has to do with the difference in culture. Um, um, I must say, like, I still believe in the ownership in a team and wherever it is. It, it also can happen in China, but you need more time for it. I was there for two months. Uh, I did them uh, with the men from India. It worked pretty well. Uh, but uh, you have to understand what players driven is uh, and I think 90% of the coaches in the world who, who coach teams they all involve players and that's all what I did involve the players and it's the same process what I did with the women and uh, yeah of, uh, at the end we were successful with the World Cup and the Asian Games so it worked and it can also work with the men but sometimes when things are not going well you can do two things, just leave it and stop with it, or keep trying and uh, um, try to make a new step. And what happened now, they changed coaches, and that can also be a good uh, solution. Uh, I don't know, the, f- uh, the, fu- the future will, uh, will say that, but um, for me, at the end, players have to, know, have to learn to make their own choices, and whole players driven is focus, focus on that. We as coaches, we are just standing on the sideline and we can't do anything inside the pitch. And they have to make their own choices. And that's why 
the place driven is so important. So just whilst we're on India, um, it's obviously the track record of foreign coaches has been a, a little bit checkered over the years there. Is it a hard decision to make when the phone call comes to, to go into such a high profile hockey environment? Yeah, I, I like the challenge. And for me the class is always half full. And that's what I, that's what I did with India when they, when they called me. Uh, I needed to go, a, a new, uh, uh, a new challenge. Uh, I wanted to go away from Holland with the experience I had there. And I think this was a really good thing for me. And yeah, you know, as coach, wherever you coach, and maybe it's in India a little bit worse than somewhere else, but you always know when you know, don't perform, your job is on stake. Um, yeah, it, it, it's how it is. I'm, I'm not busy with those kind of things. I'm really focusing on the process and on the things I have influence on. And that's also what I try to uh, uh, coach, my, uh, teach my players. Sure, it's a, a unique situation to go from coaching a, a national men's team or a national women's team to a national men's team and back to national women. What, what interests me is the differences between genders. Uh, is, it, is there that much of a difference at the elite level or is there a lot more that you have to consider from that perspective? Yeah, the most important thing is the difference in discipline. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not finger pointing to the men because I don't like that. The, I also had a really nice time with them. But it's about the difference in discipline. If you see the woman from India, uh, they do their own video analysis. Uh, they have their own meetings. After my meeting, they go sit together. All those kind of things are normal. Uh, they really are a unit. And, the, and the, especially the discipline is a big thing. In, uh, with the men, that's a part, and it's not only in India, that's, that's every, uh, most of the teams, um, that's, that can be a problem. The discipline is always a little bit less, and I think that's a difference between women and men. Uh, I think, like, if you see Australia men, for me the reason they are always on the, uh, still on the number one spot of the world, uh, is the discipline they have, and the culture they, they all have for so many years, and how they are guiding that. Uh, guarding that. And that's the difference, because if you see the quality of the Indian men, I really think they can be top three of the world. But if they can add the discipline from, the, for instance, the Australian men, yeah, they, they would raise their level so much. And that's why I also asked Chris Sorello for me as, uh, as assistant to bring that culture inside uh, the, uh, the Indian men team. And I think with the women, we are really far with that. Uh, we can play five different uh, pressing systems. And for Indian uh, standards, uh, that's, a, that's a lot, especially because not all the women can understand me. That's really interesting, Sean. I agree with you on the, on the men. I think what, there's some fantastic players in India, but that, that discipline the Australians show, and it, it wins them so many games. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it, it's about the men. If the Indian men are consistent, oh, they are... The, 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 they are the top of the world, but yeah, that's the that's the this, the next step they have to make. What we don't hear a lot about of from India is club hockey. There's obviously lots of different ways that people play the game, but club hockey does seem to be lacking. What's your take on grassroots hockey in India? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing is, they are playing with their for their companies, so there's almost no club hockey, and the companies, uh, yeah. The big thing, the, the, they ask foreign coaches for the knowledge, and uh, yeah, 
Indian coaches uh, want to stick with their own plan, how they are used to play. And if they don't change, it's difficult to come closer to the international level. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, look, Sean, recently, <laughs> uh, uh, following the Asia Cup, there was a lot in the Indian media about uh, the failure of the men's team. Oh, sorry, the Asia Games. Uh, but there was a lot also about the success of the women's side of the game. Uh, <laughs> All, there's, there's so much interest in what goes on there. How do you sort of separate yourself from the hype and all that sort of stuff and concentrate on the job that's actually at hand? Um, yeah, for, for me, the most important thing about the Asian Games was the happiness for the woman. So I, I was not busy with the men because I also have to focus on one, on my job. And if I'm busy with the men, if they're win, winning or losing, I'm not focused myself. So... I really left that uh, aside uh, from me. Um, I, I was just so happy for the women because now they are rewarded really, really good with money and they can help their families. And I know their personal stories and uh, some of them can't watch the television because there's not always electricity. Uh, they have uh, no, uh, not always food and now they can help. And the joy from that, that was for me the most important thing for me in the Asian Games. Are you seeing a, a rise in the interest in women's hockey in India? I mean, for a long time it was almost forgotten about, but you know their recent success and the media coverage seems to be that women's hockey is starting to get a real foothold in the country. Now, absolutely. Uh, yeah, if you see the Prime Minister, they were on the picture with him, they were invited, also the men, but yeah, this has never happened to them. They were, are invited to all kinds of functions. Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, people are on social media. You see more and more about uh, what a woman achieves. So that's yeah, that's really nice. And for us, it was not about becoming uh, first of Asia. That that was also a goal. But the big the big goal was to put the woman on a good position in India. That's what the girls really really wanted, and that was the dream goal of the team. And if you do that, if you achieve that, you know, you have medals. Sure, taking a broader perspective and, and look at the game, is there something that you would change if you had the, the power to would, that's going on in world hockey, be it fixturing or a rule or whatever it might happen to be? Yeah, I think a lot of the rules are now interpretation and uh, that's really difficult for referees and for us as coaches also. It's for me difficult to coach my girls what is allowed or not allowed, what is dangerous, what is not dangerous. It's changing every time. And the more interpretation, the more it's unclear. So that would be a thing. Uh, I, don't, uh, I, I wouldn't mind to go from 11 against 11 after three quarters you go, or maybe two quarters you go to 10-10 or 9-9. The pitch is getting bigger. Uh, uh, huh? uh, th those yeah. kind of things would make the game, uh, make the game better. Uh, not uh, 10 players over the midline. Uh, yeah. I think those things can uh, can help. What's next for India then? Obviously, um, for your side, there's no pro league involvement. So, what are you looking forward to next? Uh, yeah, we we're starting the camp from the first of October, and yeah, we now have to talk about the program. What will happen? Uh, what we're going to do? We have to make the group bigger than it's now, because uh, yeah, we have a small group, and that's one of the things I think. 
uh, we lost the final. We played the whole. Uh, uh, we played so many matches this year. Uh, Japan was uh, uh, able to to switch with 40 girls. Uh, we only had 18 till 20 girls. So that was a big difference, and we have to make the big uh, the group bigger for the next two years. And are you running a centralized program with them? Yeah, always in uh, in Bangalore. So we have 48 girls, and we have two groups of 24 uh, with the development coach also. Now you're back home at the moment in the Netherlands. You do have some uh, business interests as a co-owner of HockeySupport.nl. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, what we're doing is we uh, we have hockey schools, hockey camps, and we work with good coaches. So the big problem in Holland, and I know this will surprise you, but it's uh, about the the quality of the training sessions for youth. And uh, it's a big problem because the quality goes uh, more down and down, uh, lower and lower. Um, so we uh, have every Sunday morning we have uh, hockey schools. You do, it doesn't matter which club you're playing. We're independent, and uh, you get uh, training from good coaches like Jeroen Delmay. He's also one of the trainers. Um, and that's the same what we're doing with the hockey camps, and the same what we want to do with uh, of what we are doing with hockey tours. Uh, we, we we want to have teams from other from uh, or, or schools or clubs from uh, other countries bring to uh, our club uh, just to to see how we uh, now to participate in trainings from us, but also experience training from Marcia Palmer, the drag training, or Austin Smith, uh, just to work with high quality trainers. And that's what we're doing uh, in Holland. And the nice thing is uh, reaching your potential. That's what we're doing also with children. And the smile of a of a child who's improving her her uh, forehand hit. Yeah, uh, that's 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 amazing. And that's nice. And that reminds you every time why you're doing this job. And what, where can people find out about that? Is there a website they can go to? Is it HockeySupport.nl? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it is. And the sites on the tours will. Uh, I think will be tomorrow live, and uh, then uh, hopefully they all can come to Holland and experience uh, how uh, club hockey in Holland has been done. Uh, do, do you need a, a championship-winning over 50s team to come and visit you there? <laughs> yeah, of course. You're more than welcome. We have we have enough teams to compete. Excellent. Look, Sean, we'll let you go in a minute because I know you're out shopping with your family today, so we won't keep you too <laughs> yeah. long. One more yeah, from yeah, me. Yeah. Um, I'm on a personal crusade to bring back the bully. Um, would you support something like that? Yeah, yeah all things what uh, what still uh, yeah what what was in hockey uh, we must not forget that. Eh? So the bully uh, <laughs> was a nice thing. So you still want to do the three times? Yeah, and only only have to at the beginning of each half. Say I'm not saying we have to do it after every goal. Oh, but yeah, I, I think it would be a nice a nice thing for the game to bring back. Yeah, ah, never, I've never thought about that, but it's a good thing. I, I will support you. <laughs> hockey one, hockey two, hockey three. <laughs> Look, Already have three. Thank you very much for your time today, Sean. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, and we wish you and the India Eves uh, all the best of success in the future. I think it's one of the best nicknames for a team too, the Eves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, we call ourselves the Tigers. Ah. Oh, do you? Right, well, we might, we might start doing that ourselves. Oh, well, the tigers. Now we'll just scratch out eaves and write down tigers. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Look, thanks again, Sean, and um, we'll hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you for having me, and uh, have a nice day. Cheers, Sean. 
You're listening to the Verse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. That's what we're doing, isn't it? And that was Short Marina. Oh God, I'm still Short Marina. Short Marina. Come on, get it together, mate. Ah, uh, look. The best thing, best thing was you were practicing and practicing before we spoke to him, and then the first thing you said to him, you <laughs> got his name wrong. I oh, know it's terrible. Um, but sure, great conversation with him. Um, oh, pleasure, I, pleasure to have him on. I think Short and I think hockey should be played in very similar ways. I'd love the opportunity to sit down and talk longer and more in depth. Hockey with short. Well, two, two you know, guests, two week, two weeks running, have brought up simplification of the rules as the first thing they've spoken about uh, when asked about how they wanted to improve the game. I'm not so sure about drop, that yeah, I'm not so time. sure about dropping the players off towards you know towards the end of the game. Uh, I would argue. Well, I made the argument that what we need to do is uh, restrict interchange. That that would bring the because what they're talking about there is fatigue. Trying to bring fatigue into the game. Yeah. Okay, get rid of two players. Whoever's out there's got to run harder and opens the game up. Just have less rotations. Maybe, maybe allow coaches to un- unlimitedly change their team at quarter time breaks. But if you take a person off during a quarter, they don't come back on. Yeah, well, they've done it with then, AFL over here where they restrict the interchange. Don't NRL is the classic yeah. example. Yeah. So you get 20, 20 substitutions or whatever, you know, whatever it might be through, through the game. Um, yeah, They're good, like eighty. Good, yeah, good. Good luck with recording that. Yeah, look, I, I just think it's a worthwhile idea to to pursue. But um, yeah, it was great talking to him, and I, I wish. Oh, the other thing we've got to mention out of that is uh, they're the Tigers. The Tigers, yeah, the not tigers, the Eves. They call the themselves eaves. the Tigers, yeah. Uh, Sean's just rewritten the whole of the Hockey India marketing program for, for but you know we're, we're going to go with Tigers because that's what the coach said. I did get in touch with Hockey India. We tried to get in touch with Hockey India through their website, filled out all the form, blah 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 blah. blah. Uh, sorry, this form doesn't work. But I have had some engagement with Hockey Australia. I've joined their their mailing list, oh, and uh, we're getting tagged left, right, and centre on Kookaburra's photos and uh, tweets, and you know all sorts of stuff. So we really appreciate that, guys. It's good. Just one more thing before we move on from short. Um, now, normally when we interview people, we, we start the recording and, you know, have a little bit of a chat to them and get the levels right or try to. And, and, and at the end of the time, sometimes it goes on for a little bit longer, but there's a primacy about what we do with interviews and you only use what people have said in that period where they know that the interview is on. And normally, uh, the, the guff that goes on beforehand, I don't even listen to. I just throw it away because it's, you know, there's a trust issues involved here and, just get rid of it and the same at the end of the program if anything else gets recorded just throw it away delete it and that way there's no problems involved for anybody but I kept this little bit Matt and I'd like to play it we've never done this before Um, and it's a little conversation we had with Shord about his name before the program I thought thought it was the the one about the Hockey India no 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 no, no, no. no, I deleted it no just jokes (laughs) no I think also it um, it shows up a little bit of Shord's character as well because it's, it's very easy, I think, through what happens in social media and stuff to think, you know, that he's a very serious man and uh, things are very serious. But one thing that I thought came through in that interview is he's actually quite light-hearted and has a good sense of humour and hopefully you'll hear that here. Shord, one thing we have to ask is how you correctly pronounce your surname. <laughs> yeah, that's a... So, Shord uh, Marina. Marina. 
Well, right, yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. <laughs> I must admit, when we uh, we first talked about you getting the job at India, we had to go to the Google Translate to try and figure <laughs> it out. You're, you're not the only one. In England, they uh, they call me uh, they call me Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Stuart originally there. <laughs> so there you go. It's a bit like. Carl Ramage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit like that. Say what you see. Uh, well, uh, hopefully we'll get to speak to Short in the future too, because I, I really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, great. Great to get one of the top coaches on. Yeah. Okay. Top commentator, top coach. What do we go to next week, John? I'll probably be just us two flogs sitting here talking. <laughs> top ham and cheese toasty mate. Yeah, you mean. That's, that's it. Where do we go from here then? Well, we're on that because there's a lot to talk about. <coughs> there is. We're on. Speaking co- of coaching, yeah. yeah, we're on coaching. So uh, we didn't actually mention it last week, but it was announced just before we went to air on last week's show that Sheldon Rostrum will be stepping down from the South African women's coaching job. Now, of course, go back 12 months earlier, and he he was taking on a dual role and was doing the men and the women, wasn't he? At the uh, same time. Yeah. Um, but he's stepped down from a voluntary position, apparently. Uh, now the uh, the job's been advertised and firmly at the bottom it says that this is a voluntary position this is a national association national team coaching job John yep. are you surprised by that yep absolutely in fact almost shocked it's made I would have to say it's made a few waves in South Africa and made it onto some national sports sites now um I'll just read from this, and it's got a comment here from Marissa Langanai, um, who's the CEO at um, South, uh, South African Hockey. Uh, so, while the thought of a national coach not earning a cent might come as a surprise to sports fans around South Africa, it's been that way since 2010. In, 20, in 2009, when SA Hockey went through an organisational change, we converted full-time positions to volunteer positions. SA Hockey CEO Marissa Langanai told Sport24... We get a ton of applications and when people realise that it's not a full-time position or that there is no salary, they obviously can't stand for the job. We thought this would make the process a lot easier and save a lot of time. It's the first time that the post has been clearly advertised as a volunteer post. It's exactly the same for the men's side, Lang and I added. Every coach we have is a full-time employee somewhere else. It's the same with the national players. Most of students are full-time employees elsewhere and they do not earn a cent from playing for their country. Uh, the only time when players earn money in, the, in this country is when they play in the Premier Hockey League, which is funded by the Department of Sport. SA Hockey is an amateur organisation. Langanai has been involved with the SA Hockey struggles over the years and was helpless when both the men's and women's national sides were told they could not go to the 2016 Rio Olympics, despite having qualified as continental champions. As with most things, money is the biggest issue the sport faces, but Langanai remains hopeful that things will change and that one day her organisation will be able to pay a national coach. We would hope so, she said, but because of the economic changes that we find ourselves in currently, that is not a situation we have right now. Or for the past eight years, obviously. I've got an idea for them. You do what most hockey clubs do, and you pay your, you pay your coaches, and you make your CEOs, or your club presidents, or your club treasurers volunteers. How about that? How's that for an idea? Mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Now, oh, you'd, you'd find it easier to find a volunteer CEO than you will find a volunteer hockey coach for a national team. Seriously, but you all, you you've all got to get your priorities right. And hockey doesn't have much money to spend. You don't spend it on administrators. No, well, within, but you've got to run your sport, haven't you? That's oh, the other well, thing. Uh, what, how much do you get paid for the work you do at Fremantle Hockey Club? 
I don't need it. I just it's just the love of the okay. uh, cl- uh, ah, club members. Okay. That's yeah, what yeah, I do yeah, it for, yeah. mate. Exactly, yeah. and that's in the in the case where South Australia are uh, South Australia, in the case of South Africa, and let's face it, there are many federations around the globe where uh, that are run by volunteers. Yeah. Okay. I, I, look, I, I understand Sheldon Roster might have um, had some expenses covered by a sponsor or something like that, and then maybe that's the case with with others going going forward. Um, but there's some quite strict restrictions on being able to take that job anyway. You've got to be able to work in South Africa. That you've got to understand the South African sporting landscape, the cultural diversity, and all that sort of thing. So it's they're looking flat, for isn't it? well, they're South looking Africa. for somebody there and local to do it. So it's not as if um, maybe you're an assistant coach with another national side somewhere and you're looking to go and do a role for a couple of years to enhance the CV, it, it's, it's going to be an expensive exercise if you want to do that. Do you think it would be the sort of position that would suit, say, uh, a middle-aged three-time premiership player? Um, no, but I think, maybe, I think maybe your shirt could go and do it as a volunteer position and, yeah. and probably not do a bad job. Probably better than me. Look, that's a really interesting situation that, that South Africa find themselves in, but they, they wouldn't be the Lone Rangers. I think what shocks everybody is mu- so much would be the perception that South Africa is a, a, a wealthy-type Westernish nation, but when it's not. But this is both the men's and the women's side ranked at around 15 in the FIH World Rankings. This isn't a minnow no, of hockey right. that we're talking about. Uh, and then, so that begs the question. Well, the one question, the big question for me, John, is that we started doing this hockey podcast thinking there was a global market and we might be able to make some money out of it. <laughs> uh, there's not a cent in the game. Uh, and, not. and look, and it leads us directly into FIH Pro League. Um, you know, th- we've got two things that have come out in the week. First and foremost, there's the Maddie Hinch um, stepping away from international hockey for a year, for a year, oh. uh, and, co- and concentrating on her club hockey, where she's getting paid in the Netherlands for Stitcher. Is this the start of us seeing, in inverted commas, top players walking away from the international oh, game be- because of their financial commitments to other employers? Pro, does it mean professional? Uh, I don't know what it means at this stage. I mean, we, we mentioned the issue of player enumeration was going to be an absolute nightmare for the FIH when this whole thing first surfaced because you've got players playing in disparate countries with disparate economies, all that sort of stuff going on. And it won't take the players long to get together and start talking about it and they'll form a union or a players association or whatever you want to call it. And... you're going to have to end up paying the players the same, regardless of who, which country they come from. Uh-huh. You're going to have to pay them all in US dollars because they'll all want, you know, won't be just good enough to say, oh, an Australian hockey player gets ten thousand Australian dollars and an Indian player yeah. gets ten thousand, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, that's not going to go, and it's going to be a nightmare for them. We've seen already. The, I know the Australian players have been talking about image rights as one way that they can claw some money out of this because. What essentially has happened is they're not going to get any more money for playing in the pro league, but it's going to demand so much more of oh, their yeah, time. Oh, yeah, with the stress of eight trips overseas through the six-month period. Oh, yeah, it, and it's going to ruin club hockey. Not ruin it. It's just going to massively detract from club hockey because those international players won't be hanging around clubs on a Saturday afternoon or a whatever night. They won't be accessible to our for our clubs to to use to coach juniors and to promote the game in our own communities and that'll be the same for every other country as well that's competing I just want a two word comment from you all the way down the list because I look at the FIH website and 
great news. We've got 11 reasons to get excited about the FIH Pro League, John. So you're going to read them out, I and am. I've got to say two words that sum up my feelings about what you've just yeah, read. Number one, world-class hockey on 24-7. Bollocks. That's one word, John, but that's okay. You, you elongated it. Number two, every game matters. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I can wait and see. Olympic qualifiers. This is number three. Olympic qualifiers. The top what? four teams in the FIH Pro League will earn a ticket to the FIH Olympic qualification event, scheduled to take place October and November 2019. So does that mean all the other teams in the... In That's the, not two words, John. Uh, okay. Fair opportunity. Uh, number four. All hockey heroes in one place. Uh, I don't understand that. What, what, all the games taking place in one no, venue. No. How does that... I don't understand. No, it is. That sounds like marketing speak. Five, relive the rivalries. Relive them? Uh-huh. Rivalries, John, it's what the FIH Pro League was made for. Well, don't... Why do you have to relive a rivalry? Isn't a rivalry something that exists anyway? You don't have to relive it. You're in it. I don't think he quite gets the two-word concept, but we'll keep battling on. Number six, John, packed stadiums. Good luck. Number seven, similar theme, amazing venues. Celebratory moments. <laughs> Number eight, equally amazing. Uh, is this Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Mate, production gonna, or I've, something? I have to read this little snippet, though. Equality in gender balance, equality in prize money, equality in home advantage. Even all the FIH national associations not taking part will receive an equal share of any of the league's profits. That's the mantra of the much-awaited FIH Pro League, providing equal opportunities across this competition to make the event a level playing field for all the participating teams. Keyword participating there. Oh, yeah. Will they share equally in the debt? (laughs) Equally debt-ridden. Well, you know, we're we're being told this is an amazing financial model that's going to throw riches at the hockey globe. um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because it's the first time I've read that the FIH National Associations will get an equal share of, get of any of the league's profits. Good luck to figure to see any we, profit from we it. We quoted Jason McCracken from an Indian newspaper at, who was CEO at the time saying that no, all the money's coming to us. Mm-hmm. Number nine, grand final. Hey. Number nine, grand final. Oh, good. Top four teams from both the men's and women's leagues will advance to the grand final which will be held in the Netherlands in 2019. Oh, I'd like to see them play a um, a standard four team final series where you get the one and two and then three and four and you get a preliminary final in there as well before a grand final. That sounds good. Well, you're still not getting the two words, but that's right. So what you do, you've got to expect some passion, John. You expect the passion to reach fever point as the teams up the ante in a bid to clinch the first ever FIH Pro League well, title so they- and register their name forever in hockey's history books. Unless, of course, they turn it into the Champions Trophy, in which case it'll just disappear. Number 10, fan engagement. No, John, we're going through the 11. Number 10, fan engagement. The event offers non-stop magic for fans. I'm thinking maybe David David Copperfield's doing the halftime entertainment. Why do you go to a sporting event? To to, uh, enjoy the hot dogs? Oh, yeah, to I, I listen I've, to the yeah. great tunes. I'm I'm more than happy to fork out huge amounts of money to go and watch Dancing Girls at halftime. I, you know, whatever fan engagement. What you need is um, a good hockey game. So da- Dancing Girls trucks. or boys? Or boys, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and boys, 
boys and girls dancing together costumes that have got separately but together yeah yeah oh look mate and number 11 John truly truly international hello hola hello ni hao these are just some of the ways the hockey fans will be welcome to the amazing FYH Pro League venues across the world g'day cobber (laughs) what's that listed as being a what's that don't we have that are you trying to sell us something we already have? The language. Yes, they're trying to sell us language. There's different languages in different countries, you see. Um, and not everybody talks the same as we do. Okay, really? Yeah, it, equally amazing, obviously. Uh, I, uh, hang on a sec. Is in English the, the language of the FIH, or have they changed their mind? All right, I'm just going to finish oh, off, John. That's the 11, that. mate. That's the 11. The FIH Pro League kickstarts exactly four months from now, and the, and the teams have already started planning their strategies for the event. Did you know that? No. Now it's time for you, the fans, to make yourself available when your home nation plays. It's up to you. It's up oh, to look, me. Australia so to all of you out there, guys, make yourself available. You we might will be get a game. rushing to Tasmania to catch the Pro League. Just flocking there. No, we will get a, we'll get a game here. We'll get a game. We will, we'll, yeah, but yeah. other places in the country won't. No. And look, if you need to catch up on when this is happening, you can go to the FIH uh, uh, site, which has got the Pro League news on there, and it's got a countdown clock for you, John. Oh, and as, as we record at this moment, the action begins in 119 days, 14 hours, 32 minutes, and 14, 13 and 12 seconds. Go back to the. What did it say about the final? They've already announced the venue for the final, have they? It will happen in the Netherlands in 2019. Oh. Oh, okay. What was that earlier one about um, parity in where games were played and stuff? Well, it'd be interesting, won't it, if the Netherlands aren't in the final four in either of the competitions. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was being a bit... Um, Presumptuous? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, you've got to get these places locked in nice and early. Well, you actually heard from Ash Morrison a couple of weeks ago about the hard work that was done yeah. in Breda 18 months ahead of the tournament preparing for it. You've got to build the trenches and dig the trenches, mate. Well, so. all I can say is that I'm really looking forward to getting my airline ticket from the FIH so that we can all be included in the finals. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Inclusion? Yes, it is indeed. Let's take a break. There's more to come. You are Welcome. listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And, uh, of course, you can catch up with us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook, all at the Reverse Stick. Please do jump on, give us a like, subscribe, share it with your friends. When you see episode 65 pop up on your uh, social media feed, give it a little like. Let your friends know about it. Tell your mates. And, of course, if you're off to a game of hockey this weekend, um, stick it on the Bluetooth in the car and, uh, and make everybody else listen to it, whether they like it or not. Good idea. Thank you. Now, I've, I've got something I want to bring up with you. Go for it. When did Noah build the ark? Oh, this is, this is, this is a biblical thing, is it, John? Sorry, yeah. I, stopped, I stopped Sunday school when I was about, well, I got expelled from Come Sunday on, school when I was about question. nine years old. Where so. did Noah build the ark? Um, uh, as and when was required? No, he built it before the flood. It didn't flood, and then Noah decided to build an ark. No, he built an ark, and then the flood came. Hmm. Okay, so what's this relating to, John? It's re- it's relating to um, the kerfuffle that's erupted post-Asian Games with the uh, the fact that Japan qualified for a tournament it's already qualified for. And now teams are scrambling, scrambling to try and undo the conditions that they agreed to. Now, let me take, back, take you back to a couple of weeks ago, and we spoke of a story from the New Straits Times 
with regard to Malaysian hockey, and it was just after their 3 1 defeat uh, in the shootout to Japan in the final. That's on the men's side of things. Um, you may recall I read from, where are we, Subahan, um, Subahan Kamal, the MHC president. Uh, Subahan said he spoke about it with the FIH chief executive officer Thierry Veal in Jakarta last weekend. In my meeting with Veal, I told him that if Japan becomes champions, if can, the runners-up should be allowed to take up the automatic qualification spot for the Tokyo edition. He agreed with my opinion and said that should be the case. Now we need to take the matter to the International Olympic Committee and also get an approval from the FIH Congress, which will be held in November, said Subahan. Now, we skip forward, John. On the 10th of September, there was an executive board meeting of the Asian Hockey Federation uh, held in Jakarta, and uh, included at that meeting was HRH Prince Abdullah Ahmed Shah, um, the president of the International Hockey Federation, uh, Devinda Batra, I think they probably mean Narinda, but you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe. Is, there, is there a new one? I don't, oh, no, know. No, I don't think so. As well as the CEO of the FIH, Mr. Thierry Veal. Both dignitaries shared their remarks with the board directors of the FIH, AHF, also present at the meeting, and highlighted the agenda of the FIH plans to follow. Blah, 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 blah. Now, um, the president of the AHF, accompanied by the CEO, uh, Mr. Tayab Ikram gave much direction to the meeting where a number of points were under discussion, such as the recently conducted events, the future ones as well, as the progress made on the digital and communication front. So there were discussions that were held there. Um, around the same time, there was uh, an article's popped up, and this has come out of Kuala Lumpur. I'll read this one to you, but this is uh, quite remarkable, the timing with this. The Asian Hockey Federation have written to the International Hockey Federation a strong recommendation letter to include both the Asian Games men's and women's silver medalists for the 2020 Olympics. The men's silver medalists were Malaysia, while India finished second in the women's event. Both the gold medals, of course, went to Japan. AHF CEO Tayab Ikram wrote to FIH CEO Thierry Veal on September the 10th to reconsider the tournament rules which only allow the Asian Games winners to automatically advance to the Olympics. So he's in a meeting with him on the 10th of September. He's also written to him on the 10th of September. Do you think it was hand-delivered? Might have been. Do you think I've, I've, he, might, he might have written it, sort of scribbled it down whilst he was talking in the meeting. Um, you you come to me and, and with some idea and uh, you explain your idea to me and I turn around to you and I say, yes, that it should be like that. <laughs> What, what do you think I mean? Maybe something lost in translation there. I think but, so. Uh, the, how, the art- happy, how happy do you think Thierry would think would be having... Essentially, that, there's, that's blackmail going on there. Oh, he said this, he agreed with me. Mm. I don't think Thierry would be too happy about that. Well, this particular article goes on to say, At the Olympic Council of Malaysia board meeting today, their, their president, uh, Datuk Seri Norza Zakaria, welcomed the AHF move. I bet he did. Tayab explained his rationale in the letter to FOH. While I do understand the FOH criteria, I would want to put forward a request for an important review of the qualification criteria due to the fact that the host of the Olympic Games this time comes from Asia. We do feel a need to reconsider the criteria as there are several high-performing teams of Olympic standard with almost no performance gaps whose inclusion in the Tokyo Olympic Games via the Asian Games would prove to be justifiable and meriting. Therefore, we would like the FIH to consider the inclusion of the silver medalists for both men's and women's categories of the Asian Games in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. There we go. So, sorry, uh, we didn't like it 
the way this sort of turned out this time and <laughs> I know the rules say that but can we just have a, a second chance at it please no you can't and I would be staggered if the FIH would open that can of worms it would make a mockery of their own process wouldn't it it would it would also create a whole host of future problems because everybody you'd have to treat everybody else exactly the same and suddenly you have no control over the process whatsoever well this, in particular this is re- regarding the Tokyo qualification yeah. so there's very strict, make, the strict yeah. IOC um, criteria which is set out way in advance of the tournament and way in advance of the qualification process. By all means change it for future Olympic qualifications if you want it we'll be doing it for five aside anyway but <laughs> you know you can't change it now that's the way it is tough toughen up princess yeah, look, go to Bunnings buy yeah. a bag of cement it would be preposterous to consider that a change would happen but guys you know if you don't ask you don't get let's all dream big yeah, um, I feel sorry for the Malaysians especially, but... Um, There's no mention of India um, from the women's side asking the questions of, of this at all, but of course if something does happen, they get the, the natural benefit. I, I think that they're, they're wise enough to keep their mouth shut and let the Malaysians do the heavy lifting at this point in time. Well, I don't think it's any secret that there are certain people within the FIH that think if we want to grow the game, we've got to be growing the game in Asia. Um, so who knows? Let's wait and see what happens with that one. But yeah, I, I, I can't see it getting through, but I, you know, I'm rarely surprised well, we've these We've got to days. grow the game everywhere. That, that's a stupid part of thinking. Any part of the globe is, oh, if we don't get this, it's the key to our success. It's the entire globe. You know, like, you know, Asia, yeah, it's a big, big part of the, the globe, but there's, uh, there's still several billion people living outside of Asia, and you've got to worry about them as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, whilst we're on the FIH, we'll move on quickly. Nominees for the FIH Athletes Committee have been revealed. There's a long list on the website. If you have played international hockey in the last, an FIH tournament in the last 12 months, you are entitled to a vote on that. Um, on who goes through there's uh, players from all over the world they, they, they're looking to have a, uh, a gender balance on the committee um, and have as much of a representation of teams from around the world on there so if you're in that bracket then uh, get on and get voting anything more before we get to the feedback uh, very quickly uh, Hockey Australia appointment of two females yeah. in assistant coaching roles for the Hockey Roos um, it's been a bit of a revolving door in those assistants positions over the uh, past few years uh, but yeah good to see that uh, oh, Katie Allen and Steph Andrews Sorry, I, I haven't got it right. written down in front of me. I think that's, I think Steph had been coaching in Canada and came over and has had a year, a season coaching a men's club side, uh, in the local league here in Perth. And so it's an, an easy transition to the Hockey Roos centralised program here at Perth. <laughs> Oh, time for some feedback. Well, club plenty. songs. Do we start with uh, the club songs? Look, things? we've had two or three entries come in, uh, which we will play, but we'll save them for next week and we'll do a bit of a club song special yeah. or whatever. And So you know. if you've got a club song, send it along to us at the reverse stick. John, Matt, at the reverse stick. John at the reverse stick dot net or Matt at the reverse stick dot net on the emails. Of course, you can DM us through the socials. All that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, we'd like as many as we possibly could because we will play them next week. Um, and club songs are great. Love singing a club song. Did you get to sing the club song on the weekend, Matt? No, I didn't get to sing it. Okay. Well, actually, I did, John. I did get to sing the club song, but I was singing it with you. Okay. 
uh, <laughs> as I was filming it. Now, let's put everybody out of their misery. Let's go through game number one. That was a Saturday afternoon. You could have caught up with it live on the Reverse Stick YouTube channel. Have a look for it. You know, subscribe. Who knows what's going to come up on the game. And in fact, you can go back and watch the whole an hour and yeah. a half of it if you've got uh, sleeping problems. Then uh, maybe that's <laughs> the way to go. Um, yeah, it was an interesting exercise for me. Give us the result first. Well, we won. We won 2-0. Three on the trot. I'm a very happy man. I'm internally going ballistic and have been all week. Just trying to keep a lid on it because I know no one really cares about the <laughs> a premiership in over 50s Division 3. But I'm very, very happy and I've been smiling all week. It's great. Loving it. Unfortunately, the shirt gets to have a run around for another season. Yeah, it's packed away in the bag, ready to go for next year. Is it in here? Yeah. You won't oh. be able to smell it, mate. It's not that... People think it smells. It doesn't. It gets a rinse at least two or three times a season. It's only rained once this year, mate. No, we've had more than rainy days than that. Not when you've been wearing your shirt, I don't think. Anyway, no. look, congratulations. <laughs> That's three from three for you. It was yeah. a 2-0 win. Goals from Phil Brown and Dave McDonald. Both broken down short corners. Both of them on that left-hand slip side. Yeah. Um, the exact spot where you picked up a, a couple of goals earlier on in the season. You what le- left out no, of the, no, no, the no. corner battery? Or they what? were on the pads. I, I, I was the layoff. At but the no, top they, of the but they'd started from that sa- that same position, and the, oh, and the they, short they corners broke in. down, and yeah, yeah, they actually ran in, yeah, yeah rather yeah, than yeah. just hung around at the top waiting for something to pop yeah, out just, to them. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> it's a bit of a, you know it's a bit of a challenge. Look, I was do, I was doing the filming with a you know, an old iPhone, so there was no Zoom available or anything like that, and it was pretty hard to stay focused with following the play and actually talking about the hockey as well uh, so I added there was a little bit of commentary here and there and uh, a few comments and uh, as you mentioned some graphics and my graphics were a receipt out of my wallet and a, and a, and a pen I had in my pocket just sort of flashed up in front of the screen however back at our home club there were other finals taking place for other, for other teams there and, and they were going who's, who's this player and they're going oh it's our over 50s live from Fletcher Park at the moment Live? How are they doing that? And so even if people couldn't watch the game, the little score, the, the receipt going up in front of the camera was <laughs> keeping people updated with what was happening with the score. Um, it was a, an interesting exercise yeah, to do was. and a re- really good you know, le- learning process. I saw one of your guys on, on the, the following day after I played my grand final. And I said, oh, did you get a chance to, to watch, the, watch the game when you got home? He said, watch it. I've watched it twice already. Yeah, I'm, I came home that night about midnight and um, yeah, stayed up and... A little bit longer and watched it. And I mean, look, you you know that the limitations of it all, and it's very easy to see what the limitations are when you watch it. But I'm 51, and I've never seen myself play hockey before. I've never seen. I've never been on TV or anything like that. I had. It's hard to believe. I know. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never had. <laughs> but I'm, I, there's a lot of us that have never seen ourselves play before, and it was a really lovely experience for us and, and we'd like to thank you for putting in the time and effort to oh, do it oh it's a pleasure it was a, I, I, uh, you know. only Mr. Friend's wedding for it <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously my, my daughter's from Flower Girls um, but look a promise is a promise and it was a promise to you the reverse stick listeners out there that I would be bringing that game if they made uh, it to the grand final I would be live streaming it I did that thank you to the peak audience of nine that tuned in <laughs> along, along the way there's some lovely comments on socials from Tansy yeah, and thanks, from Tans. Rob Abbott um, Rob, yeah, appreciate appreciated it. the feedback as we were going along there. Um, like, yeah, good, a, a good experience to do it. And I got to play in a grand final with Keggs. You did. 
Well, I made so one, one. I made one comment in the in the commentary. There was one of their guys was was going to take uh, Julian Keggs, Julian Rainey on down. And like Keggs has got a, a big hockey pedigree and he's played overseas and he's an absolute champ, champion player. The fullbacks, fullback. And the, uh, this bloke's running up to him and he's he's about to try and take him on. And I've just gone, mate, what are you doing? That's Julian Rainey. You've got no chance. Ping, takes the ball off him, <laughs> yeah. and, off, and off we go up the other end of the field. Oh, he is a tackling machine. It's been one of the pleasures of this season is standing there watching him tackle blokes. Well, honestly. I think, look, that, and that's one of the beauties of, of Masters hockey, is that obviously not everybody from elite level continues to play as the years go on, and you've got to get a side together somehow. And so you get this mix of players. And, you know, I, you know, I consider you, you would think that Kegs, you as an adolescent, would be a hero. But he was. I, I would be down the Perth Hockey Stadium there with my autograph book, and I, I, <laughs> seriously. And um, he was one of those guys I used to watch and, and look at and go, "Wow, he's great." He was a short corner master in the days when you could, um, what do they call it, over the goalkeeper? Undercut. No, yeah, you could undercut it over, so the ball could go above the, the oh, low, backboard height. Backboard yeah. height, but it had to hit the backboard. Yeah, and, so you could uh, dip. Yeah, the dip, yeah. and he was a master at that. And to think that at fifty odd years of age, I would be playing a, a grand, winning a grand final with a guy that I used to look up to is amazing. Yeah. It's a really good feeling. That's fantastic. Well done, mate. I was really pleased now, for you. Game two. Yeah, well, game two. So we had. It was uh, all looking good at half time. Yeah, well, it was a back to back second year in the final in the grade. Um, the team we played, uh, we were the only side in the regular season that they hadn't beaten. We'd had three 2-2 draws against them uh, half time 2-1 up I wouldn't say coasting but fairly comfortable you were looking good uh, yeah the, you know the, boy, the boys were you know the heads, heads were on the job and, and everyone was um, sort of pulling in the right direction then we step into the changing rooms at half time and we discuss all the things that we shouldn't do in the second half and all the things that we should do in the second half Unfortunately, we reverted to all the things that we shouldn't do in the in the first half. We conceded four goals in a period of about eight minutes after half time. Uh, yeah, five minutes into the um, into the second half, um, we pulled one back. Uh, game finished five three. Fair play to our opponents. Uh, you know they went the season unbeaten, but boy, what a way to throw away <laughs> throw away a grand oh, final look, win. You know, and, and credit to the opposition, they played very well, and like you said, they had a great season. So, and you weren't robbed. No, no. I mean, you, you know, maybe that maybe them choosing to drop down a grade after not finishing in the bottom two last year maybe had something to do with it. But they're a small club, and it was their ones team. They train, uh, so <laughs> all, all power to them. And you know, age-wise, they probably had about a ten, twelve-year advantage over us on average <laughs> across the team. So yeah. we do it all again next Look, year. Look, you just mate. you just fell apart for five minutes there. I don't know what was going on. People just fell asleep. Yeah, well, it I'm, happens. Well, this is one of the problems you see when you play two 35-minute halves um, for normal hockey around the world. If we'd have played a 60-minute game, mate, those ten min- those eight minutes we could have been taken out and we, we'd have no, won the just, game. You just take ten minutes off it and you lose five-two. Yeah. And maybe that we can... Maybe we can... No. Maybe we can... <laughs> yeah. No, not at the end of the game. No, take, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is all part of my new strategy. <laughs> is you get to choose which ten minutes of the game that you that you take out of it. No, dude, time is linear. You can maybe roll the dice and whichever team, you know, if you win win the roll of the dice or the toss of the stick or the toss of a coin, then you can choose which 10 minutes of the game that you, you, you take out. What an idea. But you're on the ball there. Mm. You're a thinker. Uh, just look, before we go, uh, other bit of feedback uh, now. The hook hockey. 
Mr. Yeah. Stephen Findlater. Um, he had a bit of an issue last week. Uh, oh, that's right. With uh, us calling the shootout a... Something else. Shuttle. Shuttle. Shuffle. Yeah. Well, he said, lads, um, cut that out. Um, he said he turned off when he when he heard us call it. Look, but I know that is an absolute lie because he then followed up and said <laughs> he, en- he enjoyed the conversation about blankets and, and bedside lamps, which came after... <laughs> Our conversation with Ashley about the shuffles and shuttles and one-on-one. So, Findo, come on, let's be we, fair. We, Don't let everybody know that you're turned off when we know <laughs> that you listen right to the end. Just like you are today, waiting to hear what we're saying right now. We, uh, we Disgraceful. should stand admonished though. He's right. We, that, that was poor form of us to use those terms. I said crash ball twice in the commentary. Did you really? Yeah, you have to listen back to him. Oh, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> well, when we first watched it, we were down the club room, so we couldn't hear any of the audio. We just saw your little bits of paper with the cheeseburger going past. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was like. No, we, we, uh, we hear you, Stephen, and, um, we'll be doing our best in the future. Quick special mention, Lee Abbott from our club, oh, life brilliant. member of Hockey WA. That was announced on Wednesday evening at the Olympians Medal Great Awards. Great hockey person, Lee. Oh, super, you know, good, good friend of mine and um, an absolute legend of the and game down premier, here. Her husband's my premiership teammate too from two seasons um, ago. And me too. And you, yeah. There you go. Um, just before we go, we mentioned hockey's there. there are hockey finals, there are lots of hockey finals, certainly in Australia, happening over the weekend. Hockey WA grand finals, they're being streamed live on YouTube. By Ash. By Ashley Morrison uh, at Not The Footy Show. Hockey Victoria finals exactly the same. Uh, Beeston TV gets underway oh, in the UK this weekend. Two games coming from there. Nick Irvin involved in the commentary. Uh, I think that's about it for this week, John. Episode 65, over and out. Well done, mate. Catch you soon. See ya. So this shirt walks into a bar. It was a crossbar, it's all right. Is that it?